and welcome along to Women's Tennis Talk with me, Sue Thurl, and with you, Sophie Amiak. Sophie, bonjour, comment ça va? Ça va bien, tu parles mieux français, you're speaking better French every day, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank <it>. you, practice <laughs> makes perfect. How are you, my friend? The Asian swing has been a busy one for both of us, I know, but uh, some terrific tennis played and some really interesting results coming out of Asia over the last month or so. Well, it sure has been, and uh, we've been on top of things, you and I, uh, commentating at different times, but uh, yeah, I mean, it started with, you know, of course, in the, the, the Hannah Cupid Japan Women's Open. I love that. That was in Hiroshima. And uh-huh. uh, we have uh, an old Japanese affair. That's what it was there with uh, Hibino against uh, Misaki Doi, the lefty. And it was uh, Ibino who won that one, which uh, really great effort for uh, Ibino. It was a 6-3, 6-2 victory. And then we went on to uh, the next Asian affair, which was in Zhengzhou. And uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but it was Pliskova who won another tournament yet this year. The Queen. Oh, of- she's been so good, hasn't she? So consistent. Very consistent, considering, uh, you know, the play that she has. She's been consistent, but she's still looking f- to play better in uh, in the majors, which 2020 hopefully is going to be her breakthrough. But she beat Martic uh, in the final 6-3, 6-2, her 16th title. So pretty good. And that was her 50th match of the season one, I think, at that time. Or she's at least having 50, which is extraordinary. Then we went on. The uh, Nanchang in China, still on Asian soil, and Rebecca Pedersen. Wow, she's been playing some good tennis this year, Sue. She has. She's been, re- again, consistent is the word that springs to mind, but increasingly so. And she's a name that you've seen more and more going deeper and deeper in tournaments in a way she never has before. So she'll be absolutely delighted with the way 2019 has uh, panned out for her. Yeah, and she beat uh, Ribakina in the final 6-2-6, love, an hour and two minutes after having a semi-final qualification in two hours and 55 minutes, I tell you, that probably was a relief to win that final 6-2-6 after winning in our semi-final 218-point total played in that match. Ouch. First W wow. for her, which is uh, uh, an achievement. So well done for Rebecca Peterson. And then we went on to Guangzhou. I think you covered that tournament with Sofia Kennan. <laughs> I did. Sophia Kennan continues to impress. I think that's a third title of the year for her. She started strong, didn't she, in Auckland, and she won the final there against Anna Karolina Schmitova, and she hasn't really looked back, and she's been one of a host of players who've really, really impressed me over the course of the year, and she's made magnificent progress. I cannot wait to see into the top 20 how she goes next year in terms of backing that up and what she can go on to achieve, but that was a tough final against Sam Stosa, who Uh, you know, goes down swinging as she so often has in her career. She's come out the right side of matches like that hundreds of times before as well. But this was a tough one against Kennan. She lost it in three sets, but Kennan in the end doing it the hard way from a set down too. So she's one of those players, I think we're going to talk about it a little bit later, so um, that next year and part of a strong American challenge too, I am really looking forward to seeing. So yes, a really good title for her. Yeah, and I think that maybe Sam ran out of gas. I mean, uh, the 35-year-old young, I should say, uh, Sam Stoser, the veteran, but two hours and 35 minutes in that final 6-7, 6-4, 6-2 for Kennan. You mentioned it, third title, Hobart, Mallorca, and Guangzhou, and uh, being able to play on... Yes, sorry, I said Auckland, I meant Hobart. No, it's all right, different uh, different surfaces, I mean, is good. We have to see what, like you said, 
uh, Kennan is capable of doing in the majors really next year. But for Sam Stoser, you know, I think it's uh, trying to stay above 108 in the ranking so she can get straight into the main draw at the Australian Open. Although I'm sure the <laughs> the wild card will come very uh, quickly for her. But in any way, she will probably be straight in this year. And then we went on to uh, Seoul in uh, Korea which uh, Karolina Mukova won that one, a quarterfinalist at Wimbledon. Mukova 6-1-6-1 against uh, Magda Lynette, who has been playing also some great tennis as she won the, the tournament earlier this year at 27 years old in the Bronx, New York. And, uh, you know, for Mukova, first title, 2019 finalist in Prague on clay, also a very good result. And, well, let's, uh, let's continue here because this Asian swing kept on going. We went to Osaka, and you know a little bit about Osaka as you also covered this tournament. You've been busy. I did. I have been busy. I really have, and I was hugely impressed by the form of Naomi Osaka because it wasn't as straightforward as it might look on paper because she had to get past a resurgent Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova who now working with Sam Sumik and Certainly the initial indications are that that partnership is working quite well because Pavlyuchenkova has been really up and down. She's had her injury issues this year, but she came back strong in Osaka. And so Naomi Osaka had her hands full uh, against Pavlyuchenkova and throughout the draw, in fact, but she played really, really well. And it teed her up very nicely, I think, for Beijing. And she, she coped with the pressure, I think, very well of the home expectation the Japanese fans turned out in force as we know they always do and can and she handled it really and well so just dropping five games in the final in the end overwhelming Pavlyuchenkova but good results and good performances for both I think yeah and that was a fourth title for Naomi Osaka and uh, I have to say that you know very impressive Pavlyuchenkova as you mentioned working with Sam Sumik now didn't lose a set until she got into the final so it's good to see Pavlyuchenkova coming to that level as everybody thought Pavlyuchenkova should be or should have been in her career in the top 10 uh, with her game maybe Sam Sumik is going to help out we, we shall see but it sure is uh, starting to be a very good combination we went to Tashkent after that uh, and uh, Alison Van Uytvenk, the second title of the year after Budapest, cruised to uh, the final. But then in the final, a 6-2-4-6-6-4 win against uh, Kirstea, which is good to see also Kirstea right there. I think Flipkens have been helping uh, Van Uytvenk on occasion. I think that might be... Uh, you know, down the line, maybe a coaching job for uh, for Flipkens, the Belgium, the uh, the veteran Belgium. But uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's good to see uh, you know Van Uyvenk playing some great tennis as well uh, in Tashkent. Then followed by, of course, Wuhan. And uh, Wuhan, what a way for Sabalenka to back up her title last year. I mean, Sue, that was pretty incredible. It really was. I mean, back-to-back titles for her. She's had sort of up and down season in a way. It's tough to back up the season that she had last year because she really burst onto the scene last year. And and in the background, the kind of on-off, are they, aren't they still working together with uh, Tersonoff? But she certainly found a way, and, and, and she spoke quite openly about being left to her own devices at times because uh, of the way that things are with Dimitri Tersonoff at the moment, or aren't, as the case may be. But she found a really good way of problem-solving against Alison Risk, who we all know has had the most 
wonderfully consistent year. She's also into the top 10. Five Americans, so from the top 10, uh, 20, sorry, now not top 10, top 20. Five Americans there. So it's going to be pretty interesting for them with the Olympic selection coming up. You know, it's only the top four that can go to the Olympics in Tokyo next year. So uh, there is massive competition for places for them. Yeah, that's going to be a big war. But, you know, going back to Sabalenka against Schwiss, that was the second time they were facing this year in a final as uh, they faced earlier. And it was Sabalenka two out of two times who was able to come through. So Sabalenka confirming that, uh, well, she's the boss against risk. That's what it is. Really. That was since then, wasn't it? So for the start of the year, which Correct. is a tournament that I know Alison Risk really enjoys playing in. She's got a fantastic record there, but so... So is Sabalenka increasingly in Asia. The Asian swing at various times of the year certainly seems to bring the best out of Arena Sabalenka. Yeah, and then we went to the last uh, premier mandatory event in Beijing. And, uh, well, what, what a triumph for Osaka. Uh, with uh, a 3-6-6, 3-6-2 victory against the number one player in the world, Ash Barty. So what do you, what do you make of this, Sue? Well, I thought the mindset was really interesting from Naomi Osaka because uh, she'd made the coaching change. We'd speculated about it, hadn't we, uh, in our last podcast. And about 48 hours after we recorded that, she parted company with her coach Jenkins and decided that she was going to just be with her dad for the rest of the year. Um, and it seemed to pay dividends. She said when she got to Beijing, she really, really wanted to win that tournament. Now, there'll be all sorts of reasons for that. Maybe she feels that uh, she had something to prove after a year that has been solid without being spectacular. I mean, certainly it was spectacular at the start of the year, the Australian Open title to follow up the US Open title of 2018. But since then, she's found those heights quite elusive. I mean, solid, certainly, no question about that, but just not quite as solid in the key moments against the very top players as she would have wanted to be. And she departed Wimbledon earlier, didn't she? And she said, don't ask me any more questions. I think I'm going to cry. And you worried for her a little bit then. But I really like the bounce back from her. It was almost like she couldn't wait to get to the US Open, do her best to defend her title, not be able to do it, fair enough. But it was almost like she feels to me like the pressure's been taken off since then. It was like, get past the US Open. And suddenly she's burst into life again. Two titles in the last month for her and beating the world number one, no less, on route to the title in Beijing. I know you watched the final and I know you were very impressed. Yeah, I was very impressed. But you know what? I'm, I always listen to what she says in, in the press conference. And one thing she said, she says, you know what? I'm going into that final against Barty as the underdog. As being, you know, at the time she was number four in uh, in the world, which number four has been a great number for her because from that, that's how she reached the number one ranking uh, earlier. But she says, I love being the underdog. But, you know, as I said to Kevin Skinner, who I was calling the match with, I said, you know what, she's going to have to get used to being the number one player in the world because... She obviously is going to get back there and she needs to understand what it feels like and how to deal with that because being the underdog is one thing, but I've got news for you. Naomi, you are going to be back to number one. You're going to have to defend that spot. You're going to have to feel comfortable. Maybe tell yourself that you're number four in your mind and go out there on the tennis court. But one way or another, this is going to happen again. So, you know, that was her say to, you know, about being the underdog. But I, I love seeing that festival of power from the racket of uh, Naomi Osaka. And even though she lost the first set against uh, against Barty, Barty playing a really a, a fantastic first set, no enforced errors, placing the ball 
using the slice. And then it was after the first set that, as you mentioned, her father, Osaka's father, came on the court. And he said to her, listen, uh, getting you upset is not going to bring you anywhere. So you got to come down. You got to come down. You got to put and take care of that slice going cross court. You got to be patient. If not, it's not going to happen. And I trust you. That's all he says always to her. I trust you. I know you know what to do out there. So I think that mentally that put her back into on onto the saddle. I think she calmed down. Uh, literally, you could tell her body language, everything slowed down. She was like looking like she was like going in slow motion uh, with still, uh, by, by the way, 120 miles per hour serves. <laughs> yeah. That's the slow motion for Saka. But uh, eventually, I think Barty just started to fall apart herself, couldn't really figure out, you know, how to get back in that match. Um, and uh, really, the calm and poise of Osaka was incredible to the point where Barty had absolutely no answer. And uh, yeah, well done for Naomi Osaka. It's going to be uh, great to see her in Shenzhen again for the second year uh, now for the WTA title, the WTA final, sorry, as she was in Singapore last year as her maiden WTA final uh, uh, qualification. I think it's going to be a little bit different this year because, you know, she now has a feel of what it takes, what it what what is asked for her when she's there, uh, which is a ton of press conference, a ton of stuff that the players have to do besides playing on the court and performing. But I think that's going to help from having this trampoline last year as as being the you know for the first time there. Yeah, I would agree, I, I, and I think it's exciting times again for Naomi Osaka and uh, looking further ahead. You know, the competition at the top of the rankings, top ten, top twenty, top thirty is so intense now. It's so difficult for all of them. I think. Um, well, we've seen the very best, the greatest of all time, Serena Williams. She's found it hard to to nail down this elusive 24th Grand Slam title because the strength and depth is so is so strong now. So no. you've all got to be on the top of your game. You really do. I mean, a, one player who really caught my eye in in Asia but and this year, but, but not for the best reasons, is Angelique Kerber. She's had another one of those years where the results haven't quite been there again after a stellar year last year when they really were. So, you know, all, all the kind of variables and the plot twist potentially to the end of this season – and what lies in store next are just fascinating to me. And I, I don't know what you think, but I, I genuinely can't wait for next year already. I know yeah. we're not even there yet, but just seeing how some of these players shake up in the close season and then how they come back next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the off season is for some of them, which some of them is going to be short, short one, including uh, the players who are playing uh, in the Fed Cup, which we'll talk about right now for a little bit. It's, uh, it would be in Australia in Perth, as uh, the Australian are hosting the final of Fed Cup on uh, November 9th and 10th. And uh, we know how big this is for both teams. Uh, I think uh, it will be the seventh clash between the two nations, but uh, their first in a Fed Cup final. So Australia leads the head-to-head 5-1, but France won their only meeting in the last 48 years. So uh, completing a 2-1 victory in Moscow, but in the world group that was in 2000. So that's very old, new players, complete different feeling. Um, Seven-time Fed Cup champion Australia. uh, And the last time they were, I think, for the first time since 1993. Uh, but they haven't won since 1974. The French, the last time they won was in 2016, I think, or they were in the final then. 
But uh, Benetto, the captain, will be uh, looking forward to having Julien Benetto, who's retired from the men's ATP Tour, is uh, looking forward to his first final. That's pretty nice when you're the first-time captain and you get to the final of Fed Cup. That's also, you know, credit to a lot of work of the past uh, captain, including Amelie Moresmo. And then on the other side, we'll have Captain Alicia Mollick, our own Alicia Mollick, who will be also covering some of the WTA finals for uh, the WTA Perform. Um, so what do you think? What do you take on this? Yeah, the trophy was, you know, is going to be lifted by one of those nations. 1974 was the last time Australia won. Uh, Sue, I might have lost Sue in that conversation. Well, I think it's going to be really important for the Australians that Ash Barty stays fit and well. And the question for me is how much has she got left after an amazing year, which started for me phenomenally with that stellar final against Petra Kvitova in Sydney. She came up a little bit short there, but it was a statement of intent and she couldn't have imagined what she would go on to achieve this year with the first Grand Slam title at the French. But she's played a lot of tennis, gone deep in a lot of tournaments. And so the question for me is, notwithstanding the, the intense and fervent Aussie support, which will be there by the bucket load, she is just vital to Alicia Mollick. She really is in terms of what she brings in singles and doubles because she's outstanding at both. So she's key for Australia and for me, for the French. I mean, Caroline Garcia, I know you all want to talk about Garcia's form, which is... <laughs> Uh, well, it's been what, difficult, what hasn't it? What form? Well, quite. I mean, it's not that long that she was number four in the world. Now she's struggling for top 40. I mean, it's been incredible, the loss of confidence. I saw her play in the final. I mean, the year didn't, for me, the year didn't get off to a good start for Garcia. It really didn't. She struggled to beat a player inside the top 200 for the first uh, month and a half or so. And then that momentum, that negative momentum just continued. I saw her in the final in Strasbourg, which is... I think the only final she's made this year, she had a match point against Jastrzemska, couldn't take it, played really well, was devastated by that defeat. And I don't think she's really managed to recover from there onwards. And the confidence just seems to ebb away every week. What do you think? Well, I mean, I've said it and I've said it many times. I even offered my services uh, as far as coaching. I think they need a third person. I think they need a, a, a you know, a former WTA player uh, to help the coaching team of uh, herself and her father. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, for her to be two years in, two years ago, number four in the world and to be, as you said, past 40, probably next ranking as she lost in the second round, in Tianjin, I mean, it's crazy, but she does strive when she plays Fed Cup. So my only uh, positive thing about the Fed Cup, if that's all purely, purely what we're talking about, is that hopefully she's going to bring the best of her, but she might not play number one now. She might play number two because ranking-wise and results-wise in the past uh, probably two months to six weeks, I would say, uh, I think that Mladenovic um, is showing much better uh, health in her game. Uh, working with Sasha Bahin has been working well, not only in singles but in doubles. And um, on top of that, she's going to be in Asia already, playing in doubles at the WTA uh, final in Shenzhen in doubles with Babosh. So 
she might get a couple days late to the preparation that they're doing the week before uh, in Perth. But I think Madlenovic might play first. Uh, then you don't know because Corne uh, is very close in the ranking. Are they going to play Garcia? I would think they would play Mladenovic 1, Garcia 2, which doesn't change really much because they're swapping the next day. Um, and then see how that works. But, you know, you're right about Barty. This is a long season, but they're on home soil. And she has talked about the Fed Cup and the emphasis of how important it is for her. I have yet to hear that word in every press conference from the French. So you think that might be key? Well, I mean, I think there is an eager to win, you know, uh, I mean, they haven't won since 1974, Australia. That was the last year they won. I mean, this is not even in the book. 2003 was the last time the French won. So you have to think that there is a lot more, um, I think, I would say the the carrots is bigger <laughs> to get. To. Yeah, and to do it in front of home fans as well when you've waited yeah. so long to do it, I suppose, just makes it even bigger in everyone's minds. Um, and I think I think Barty. I mean, if Barty yeah. is not is not in shape and not ready to you know face the music for three more matches, uh, you know that's going to be tough because uh, she's going to be the one who's going to carry that team, and I don't think anybody else. I mean, I'm thinking Stozer in doubles, yes, but mm. Gavrilova, I'm not sure is going to play. She's been struggling with some injuries. She's had a yeah, she's uh, had a bad year. It's going to be Hone or Kimberly Barrow. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea, but I know if Barty is not there to win three points, it's going to be a tough one. Well, Astra Sharma's had quite a good year, hasn't she? Made the final in Bogota, yeah, maybe is she, in the frame yeah. in some way, yeah. doubles maybe, maybe depending on what they do with Stosa as well. But yeah, yeah I agree, it's all on Barty, isn't it? Stosa and Barty would not be playing doubles. That's too, that's too important. Well, and they're too good, aren't they, yeah. together as well? Um, so we shall see. But uh, coming along, let's talk about, unless you have something else to add to, to the Fed Cup, Sue, but we can go and start talking about what we think about 2020 well i am as i say very much looking forward to it i'm gonna i'm gonna chuck a few names at you sophie and see what you think um for players that i'm super excited to see how they how they shake up next year i mean amanda nisimova she's had an awful from a personal perspective end to this season with the death of her father constantine just before the u.s open which is tragic to say the least so i i now she's working or going to be working with Carlos Rodriguez which is a great appointment so how she gets over the disappointment of uh, the way things have happened for her and the 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 grieving process as well for her dad is going to be uh, something that for someone so young is a real challenge but on the tennis side of things if she can recover personally and and professionally, uh, given what she did this year, I, I, I'm so excited for her looking ahead to the next year or two. Semi-finals at the French, unbelievable talent. I mean, she burst onto the scene at the Australian Open again this year, didn't she? Yeah. Another of those players who just took it to the big names and had no fear. Um, she plays with no fear. And so she's someone I'm excited to see how they develop. Yeah, Diana Yastremska is another one who... I love watching her play when she's on. She's really on. And for her, the challenge, I think, is just going to be being a little bit more consistent in matches. But she's devastating with the power she possesses off both wings. So looking forward to seeing her. And Sophia Kennan as well, as I said earlier. She's someone who's really caught my eye this year. 
I've been so impressed with her ability. So they're they're all bubbling up very nicely. Coco Goff, of course, what an announcement on the world stage she made at Wimbledon and continues to make. So her progress is going to be fascinating to monitor how she handles the pressure. Um, and the Serena storyline, of course, continues. What will what will await for her? Can she can she do it in Australia? Can she do it next year at all in the slams? That's the question that remains unanswered, and it's a mighty one. What are your thoughts, Sophie? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you with, uh, you know, the Anisimova. I think, you know, I mean, losing your father when you're so young and uh, and going through through that is it, probably devastating. Uh, I, unfortunately, I didn't have to go through this. But going with, you know, hiring Carlos Rodriguez, I think, is a, is a fabulous move, as uh, knowledgeable as uh, Carlos Rodriguez is, not only working with, with the NN, but worked with... Uh, with Lena, so Lena. you know, mm. you, you know that the guy knows a thing or two about tennis and and especially winning the majors. Uh, I like uh, Iga Swiatek also. I'd like to see that. Uh, Anastasia Potapova is another one. Catherine McNally, Whitney Osigway, uh, Marta Koischuk is another one. I think Serena talking about Serena is uh, yeah is always the question mark. Will she win her twenty fourth? Uh, I think she should definitely. Just not play the French and be prepared to uh, win in Australia, the U.S., uh, Wimbledon and U.S. Those are the, the best chances, I think, for her to win and, and get in better shape for those tournaments. Uh, and then there's Vondrasova, who had the left yeah. surgery, you know, 20 years old, who was finalist at the French Open, who is definitely uh, also in the, in the mix of the players to watch in 2020. And then there are the, you know, the one that we thought maybe would have won uh, a major by now or close to the the Pliskova is she capable of winning a major we still the question is still in the air Shab- Sabalenka I mean we thought after the 2018 season she was going to be close to getting at least to a final of one of them but that didn't happen Zvitolina still searching but getting closer uh, Kiki Bertens didn't get very lucky this year with what happened at the French and she was probably one of the favorite there then you have you know, you have to think about Bencic being in the card. Yeah, you know, I like Bencic being back very much. I really do. Yeah. Um, and she's still so young. She's only 22. I think she's been around, it feels like, forever. Um, <laughs> but she has bags of talent, and she's come back fitter and stronger this year uh, and really, really impressed. So uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next year. Then who's what's Sloane Stevens going to be feeling next year? Is she in the mood of uh, putting the, the work in and, uh, and playing tennis? Because she has definitely... Uh, <laughs> the qualification of winning more majors, so is Keys. And uh, how about Joanna Conta? I mean, she was playing some amazing tennis in, in the slams this year. I mean, I, I can't count her out, but those are kind of like the, you know, the different different type of player, a little bit older, uh, so except for Bencic maybe, but uh, more experienced, I would say, players comparing to the one we talked about. And then you have the Ash Party, you know, is she going to keep on... Uh, on playing and our people and players going to start figuring out how to deal with that mixed uh, variety of shots from the slice to the top spin to the to the serve. I mean, I, it's going to be very interesting, I think, and captivating to see what all these players are doing on the off season, what they work on, and how they're going to come back. Uh, I think fitness is going to be a big point for all of them. Um, that would be uh, what I what I see for 2020. And let's not forget Kim Kleister's coming back. We talk about Coco Goff and, and her amazing emergence at the age of 15. She's into her first. 
WTA quarterfinal in Linz today as we record this podcast. But then back comes Kim Kleisters after all those years away with the three kids. And it's going to be amazing to see how how she comes back. I can't wait to see it. I'm thrilled that she's taking really, you know, the really it's such a challenge it's it's not even i mean i don't even know what it is to have kids you you know that better so coming back to <laughs> it's a challenge it's a challenge it's more than a challenge but just, <laughs> just going through it and saying you know what i have i'm going to just prove myself that i can and I, like i said i could care less if she wins any matches i i would i would i'm so excited to just see her play and i hope that uh, i'm gonna cover with you and uh, cover some of their matches because she was such a fantastic player and a fantastic human being as well. And by the way, going back to Ash Barty, she has been named the most culturally powerful Australian in 2019. How about that? An inspiration to girls and women everywhere. That was, wow. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's an edition of ATM, which is one of the magazines celebrating fabulous females in tennis. So I want to tip my hat to Ash Barty. He's been doing some great stuff. I hope she doesn't do well in Fed Cup, as I am French after all. (laughs) (laughs) But I will be happy either or because I'm going to be there on the 9th and 10th. I'm looking forward to You will. You're going to Shenzhen, and then you're you're going to have uh, your um, passport. It's going to be red hot on the way to China and then going straight to Perth after that. That's right. And by that time, I hope you would be uh, back on the uh, football uh, field because uh, my dear friend Sue Thurl, by the way, for all of you listeners, is still having problems with her leg that was shattered oh. in two places. Hello. Hello. Well, uh, hello to me on crutches and I can actually put my, my foot on the floor. I think my days of gracing, I think we can use the word gracing, <laughs> the football pitch um, may have uh, sadly departed now because um yes i do face unfortunately a bit of a long road back to full fitness and um uh, even just walking properly uh, which will be a joy when i can finally do it so um yes i'm enjoying the fact that i'm able to watch such great tennis with my feet up i mean quite literally with my feet up no choice, right? <laughs> as, as i speak to you now so my feet are up both of them one well, leg in particular, what, higher com- than the other. I commend you for your spirit because I've uh, seen you, I've talked to you, I've visited you, and I've s- been seeing what you've been through. And let me tell you, um, for all of you who have been uh, injured out there, uh, having a plate uh, near your ankle is uh, probably not the funnest thing to have, and especially having two children, two cats, a husband, and working at the same time. <laughs> so I commend you, as I'm going to commend uh, the original nine, which I want to cite, just because uh, I want to remember all the players out there who might be listening, all the fans that are listening and uh, know a little bit about tennis. I want to really remember all the nines who really started women's tennis, starting with Billie Jean King, Rosie Casal, Nancy Ricci, Judy Dalton, Kerry Melvin Reed, Julie Heldman, Peaches Bartovich, Christy Pigeon, and Valerie Zingenfuss. Those ladies, okay, which are, which you can't forget Gladys Heldman, who helped get things going with Virginia Slims as a sponsor. These ladies made what tennis is today for all these women out there who are making millions of dollars of prize money. And for myself, I was part of it. I didn't make millions, but I sure had a great time making a living in tennis, which in women's tennis would have never been possible without them. So uh, I tip my hat to you because of what you're going through and to all these ladies. And uh, 
I look forward to 2020. I look forward to working with you, Sue, as well for uh, the next year and many to come. I hope that your end of your year goes well. We probably will have uh, a closeout podcast after Shenzhen. What do you think? I think we will. Thank you so much, Sophie, for your kind words. You've been an absolute star throughout all of this because I have bored you quite a lot with updates on my poorly leg. Um, but mainly to say, I'm so sorry. I won't be there. I can't be there. I'm so sorry. Um, but yes, it's all good. But next year, I'm really looking forward to it too. And I know we'll um, have great fun working together, not just commentating, but doing this as well. But yeah, we will. We'll, we'll do a podcast after uh, Shenzhen, doubtless with you on some far-flung beach in Australia, looking forward to the Fed Cup, ringing me from Australia, which will be upsetting <laughs> for me <laughs> as the rain lashes against the windows here in London. But um, no, we'll definitely do that. And we'll have a we'll have a reflect and a review of the WTA finals in Shenzhen and a, a review of the year overall and just our thoughts on things moving forward. That'll be great. Yeah. You but listen, know, you've, you know what you've got say. lots of traveling to do. Uh, oh, go on. No, go ahead. Exactly. You know what they say? Somebody's got to do it. Oh, stop it. <laughs> yes, uh, I will be in uh, Shenzhen in Australia. In the meantime, uh, thank you, Sue. And, uh, well, from uh, you. Sue so. And me, Sophie Amiak. It's à bientôt. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir.